Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as Linda is going to say with a ray of sunshine in her voice. It's the show that helps you grow. <laughs> it's the show that helps you grow. Friends, we have a, a really special episode today because we have a conversation with Dr. Gary Chapman, the author of The Five Love Languages, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary of this year. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Chapman. Really appreciate your time. We're looking forward to diving into this book with you. Well, thank you, Jason and Linda. It's great to be with you guys. <laughs> I remember um, I used to work at Sunshine Christian Bookstore. This was back in 2010 range. And we had we had a whole a whole basically wall that was dedicated to the five love languages. And every <laughs> every day we'd have, you know, it, it, it'd be restocking those shelves. So honestly, this book has transformed and helped so many lives, so many marriages. So I, I wanted to just give an overview right now for people who may not be familiar with the book. I, I'd be surprised if there's many people who aren't, but for, for people who aren't familiar, would you give us just an overview of what the five love languages are and how we are meant to think about them in, in the context of our relationships? Uh, surely. Uh, the basic idea is that what makes one person feel loved does not make another person feel loved. And so this book is addressed to meeting that deep emotional need that all of us have to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. And if you're married, most important person is feeling loved by your spouse. So uh, here they are. No one is words of affirmation. And these are no particular order uh, words of affirmation. Uh, you look nice in that outfit. I really appreciate what you did. <laughs> you know, one of the things I like about you is just yeah. looking for things that you can affirm the other person mm. for. You know, there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Mm. You can kill your spouse by the way you talk to them, or you can give life to them. For some people, this is their love language. You give them critical words, it's like a dagger in their heart. So words of affirmation, a second love language, acts of service doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do. In a marriage, that would be such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, mowing the grass, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper. Ooh, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there's an old saying that says, actions speak louder than words. If this is their love language, that's true. Mm -hmm. Actions will speak louder than words to these people. I'm well versed in the diaper changing one. I I, I, I I got two little ones and another on the way. So that one, you know, speaks heavy to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So a gift, it's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says they were thinking about me. Look, look what they got for me. The gift does not have to be expensive. We've always said it's the thought that counts. But I remind you, it's not the thought left in your head that counts. It's the <laughs> gift that came out of the thought in your head, okay? <laughs> uh, so uh, you can get free flowers. You live in California, go out in your backyard and pick one. Yeah, if you live anywhere else in the spring and summer, you can get free flowers in your backyard. It's what your kids do, you know. Uh, or maybe check your neighbor's yard if you don't have any flowers. Now ask them, they'll give you a flower. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, number four is spending quality time by which I mean you give the other person your undivided attention I do not mean sitting on the couch watching television together right. someone else is your attention TV is off computer is down we're not answering our phone we're giving each other our full attention 
quality time. For some people, this is their love language. And then there's physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. In a marriage, this is such things as holding hands and kissing, embracing the whole sexual part of marriage, arm around the shoulder, driving down the road, you put your hand on their leg, sitting around the house and they walk by and you trip them. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Don't trip your spouse. (laughs) So the basic idea, as I said earlier, is that out of those five, each of us has what I'm calling a primary love language. And if you don't speak their primary language, they will not feel loved, even though you're speaking some of the other languages. Now, if you speak their primary and then sprinkle in the other four for extra credit. So <laughs> it's good to give all four, but you've got to give heavy doses of their primary. That's super helpful. That's super helpful. So as we think about relational health, what role can or should these five love languages play in our relationships? I think it's a pretty huge role because almost everyone agrees that one of our deepest emotional needs as humans is the need to feel loved by the significant people in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for children, I say to parents, the question is not, do you love your children? Mm-hmm. The question is, do your children feel loved? Mm-hmm. If children feel loved, then they grow up emotionally healthy. If they don't feel loved, they grow up with internal emotional struggles. So whether it's a marriage, whether it's parent child relationship or whether it's a close friendship, Uh, Meeting the emotional need for love is a key part of having positive relationships. Mm -hmm. And until you understand this concept, very likely you're speaking to them what would make you feel love. Mm -hmm. But that's not their language. So you're missing them, you know. But if you learn their language and choose to speak it, uh, it's going to play a huge role in all human relationships. Mm. Yeah, I think... um... I was specifically, as I was reading, I read it again, you know, I read it so many years ago, but I read it again this time and I was specifically um, captured by the idea of the love tank and how the things that we do fill up that love tank or deplete it. And you talked about the fact that we don't only need to just understand our spouse's needs and what will fill their tank, but we also have to resist the temptation to try to get our tank filled elsewhere when it's running low. Because sometimes we do kind of not love the way our spouse needs to feel it. And in the book, you told the story of a man who was getting his tank filled by an outside illicit relationship. That was the illustration that you gave. But as I thought about it in the context of today's culture, I would wonder if like our cultural fascination with romance novels and pornography and reality TV, if these are attempts to fill our love tank and, and if maybe people need to not engage in those things to be able to receive from their spouse. Yeah. Well, I think there's no question about it. Uh, in our culture today, people are looking everywhere mm. to find love and find meaning in life. And if in a marriage relationship, they don't know what we're talking about today. So they got, they've got married because they fell in love. Then they came down off that high. And then they had arguments because they didn't agree on things. And then they lost the positive feelings. And now they have negative feelings toward their spouse. So they're not feeling loved. And then they do often get attracted to someone else. or they turn to some other avenue, which you just mentioned, trying to find the satisfaction that, that I can find love somewhere else. Reality, if they understand the concept we're talking about in this book, they don't have to look elsewhere. Mm. Each, if a husband and wife understands this and they choose to speak each other's language, 
you you meet that emotional need. Now you don't keep that euphoric stage of the in love experience. I mean that only lasts about two years. Right. But you do you do meet that need because you're speaking the right language. So. Uh, yeah, I think, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why this book has done so well over the years, and it continues to sell more every year than it did the year before, <laughs> because couples read it and the lights come on, and they realize, oh, that's why we've been missing each other. So let's take the quiz, let's learn it, let's find out how, and then let's speak it, and they start doing it, and the love tank fills up. <laughs> and and now, and that's what you wanted in marriage is, is a loving, supportive, caring relationship, and when you have that. You're not looking somewhere else. You've got it right there in the marriage. Yeah, and, and and that's such an important piece is that how you present the book is it's very much, hey, you can do this. Yeah. Like if you take the time, if you sit down, if you take the quiz, if you read it, and you really truly think and talk openly in your in your relationship and be honest about what fills you up and be honest about, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not getting enough of this from you or in, and just be open and honest about it. Yeah. It's very doable. It's, 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 and so as you said, it, it sells more and more because, because couples realize, wait, we have a way that we can get better. The, in, in, so it's exciting to hear that it, it's keep, it, it keeps selling so well because that's saying that couples keep wanting to grow that there's yeah. a recognition that we can grow that we can be better together have better relational health and they're pursuing something like this so that's really cool yeah. to hear <laughs> it's it's very encouraging very encouraging you know i, I do marriage seminars on saturday a, a saturday marriage seminar mm-hmm. every time i do a seminar i'll have couples come up and say to me you know i just want to thank you that book literally saved our marriage. Yeah. I mean, we were talking divorce. We were that close to divorce. Yeah. And somebody gave us that book and we started reading it. And as I said, the lights came on and we now, now it, it literally saved our marriage. You see, this is such a deep, important part of a marriage is meeting this emotional need for love. It's not all a marriage to be sure, but if you're doing this, everything else is easier in the marriage. It's easier to solve conflicts. It's yeah. easier to take the tragedies that come along with life sometimes. If the two of you have this deep sense that they love me, they're with me, they're for me. Love tank is full, to use that analogy again. Yeah. Well, oh, I was just going to I was just going to kind of reaffirm you know you're talking about marriages that were saved by it and then before we start recording, I even mentioned that in my own marriage, you know, I'm an acts of service person, my husband is words of affirmation. So I was trying to love him by doing all of these great things around the house because that's what made me happy. And then I couldn't figure out why he didn't appreciate them and why he wasn't so happy and responding. And then we read your book and it was like, oh! Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and it's just, it was revolutionary. And it's simple, but it's not intuitive. You, somebody needs to teach yeah. this. And so I'm so grateful for your book because it's not something that you just, it's not something that we know naturally. You know, we love the way we want to be loved. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, I'm not saying that people didn't have good marriages before I wrote this book. Oh, sure, of course. 
and and they they would not have called it love languages, but many couples stumbled upon sure. you know what makes the other person feel loved, and they start doing it, and they've had a great marriage, you know. Sure, sure. But uh, most people don't have the concept; they're going to speak their own language rather than the other person's language. Well, and I think that's what's kind of incredible about people taking the time to figure out their spouses or another person in their lives, their love language, because it's combating selfishness, which it's combating. I'm going to love the way I love. I'm going to think about things in the way that I view the world, the way that I view things. And this is literally saying, uh, Hey, if you actually paused (laughs) and thought about what your spouse or the other person in your life is thinking about or care, like how, how thing, how they think, how they receive love, then you might have a healthier relationship. And it's like, whoa, wait, I don't have to be, I, I shouldn't be selfish. And so that's what, so everything that you were just saying, Linda, about the intuitiveness is because our intuition just says selfishness, focus on myself. Yeah. Whereas this is saying, no, no, no. Think about the other person. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazing what you can do. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, Jason, people will read the book and they'll, they'll, they'll discover each other's love language. And then they'll say to me, one of them will say to me, well, you know, they know my love language and they won't speak it. Mm. You know, I mean, why won't they speak my language? They know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you see, that's a selfish attitude also. Yeah, that's true. But, but, so I, I, what I want to get out of this, I want my tank full. You know? <laughs> and, I, and here's my answer to them. I said, okay, I understand that. I said, maybe your language doesn't come natural to them. Maybe it's harder for them to learn to speak it. But why don't you take the initiative mm-hmm. and love them first? Yeah. And you love them in their love language for several weeks or a few months. And you'll find they'll be saying, honey, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. love stimulates love. That's, you yeah. meet their need for love. They're drawn to you. And then they're far more likely to say, well, well, tell me now, you know, let's think about this again, you know. And so, you know, you don't want to approach this in a selfish way. What we're going to do is we've got information now on how to effectively love our spouse. And we ask God to help us. We have all of God's help in speaking their love language. Even if you didn't receive these languages as a child and they are hard for you to learn, you can learn to speak any one of these as an adult. Well, and and I think that's, an, an incredibly important point and idea is that our ability to learn and speak another's love language, even if it's not being reciprocated back, it still gives us the ability to love better. And as Christians, that's an even bigger point because we are called to just, you know, to love other people. And so if, so even understanding this, even in, in your other relationships with your neighbors or with your coworker, if there's ways that you can learn, Hey, this person feels more affirmed or feels more loved or cared for or appreciated in this way, maybe not the physical touch way at work. Like that's a whole different, (laughs) you know, but, (laughs) but there's other ways, especially like acts of service, words of affirmation and the like, it's, it's an opportunity for us to say, okay, I can, I can be a better love giver in my relationships just by yeah. thinking it, through these lenses. And Absolutely. You know, we, uh, I wrote a book with Dr. Paul White 
uh, taking the love languages to work. Yeah. But what we call it is the five languages of appreciation That's great. in the workplace. But it's the same languages yeah. minus the physical touch. Because <laughs> right. the HR, HR people say, no, 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 yeah. we don't have to I just, just want to be clear, HR department at Saddleback, we're making that clear. <laughs> <laughs> but we found, and here's what motivated us to write that book, is 70% of the people in this country who have a job say they feel little to no appreciation coming from the people with whom and for whom they work. And 64% of the people who leave a job and go to another job say they left primarily because they didn't feel appreciated where they were. So yeah, it works in all human relationships. That's really cool. And we mentioned at the beginning, it's the 30th anniversary of the release of the book. So I wanted to ask you, Dr. Chapman, what, what have you learned about marriage or relationships maybe since you wrote the book? It's been 30 years. And is there, is there anything that you would, I don't know, change or communicate differently? Has there been an aha moment, for example, in the last 30 years since you first wrote this book? You know, there have been uh, two or three times along the way that we did a little editing on the book, yep. just kind of bringing it up to date with things, you know. But really, the aha thing for me is not dealing with that book. It's dealing with another book, mm. the five apology languages. Oh, that's good. Oh. Here's what I really believe. There's two essentials to long-term healthy marriages. Number one is that we meet each other's need for love which we've been talking about. Mm. But the other is that we deal effectively with our failures. Mm. And the reason I say that's, a, that's an essential is because none of us are perfect. You know, none of us are perfect. Yeah. And every time that we do something that hurts our relationship, we put an emotional block in a wall between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't go away with the passing of time. It goes away when we apologize for what we did or didn't do. And they choose to forgive us. And so uh, just as we have a love language, we have an apology language. That is, we have different ideas on what a sincere apology looks like. And we typically learned it from our parents. If the parents said, wow. go tell your little sister you're sorry because you pissed her. So we go and say, well, I'm sorry, you know. So now we're 25, and what will we say? I'm sorry. <laughs> but the other person had a different parent, and they taught other things. So, you know, we, we researched this with thousands of people in the country. What do, you, what do you consider to be a sincere apology? And we came up with these five. And we weren't looking for five. You know, I like five, but we weren't <laughs> looking for five. So we, that book is called The Five, apology, five, lang- five Apology Languages. And I really believe if you get these two things straight, you're going to have a long-term healthy marriage. Oh, that sounds like we'll have to do a whole episode yeah, on I was the five like, apology I feel like we need day. to go That's, get that book. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so important, especially when you think about all these avenues of relational health and what we've been talking about. Because, you know, the upfront side with the love languages, that's that's one key area. But the apology yeah. side, it, 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 just like what you were saying, is that can sincerely impact how you're relationally acting and behaving with each other. Cause if we're honest, we probably have something to apologize for to our spouse every day. Right. And so, <laughs> so, so how we engage with that is and that's yeah. And, and just the thought that people have different backgrounds, different ways that they were taught or they what's demonstrated to them or, and, yeah. and it allows for opportunities to have conversations about what's going on a little bit even deeper that leads to, 
the ability or inability to apologize a certain way could be coming from some background in shame or background in fear or whatnot. So it's, that's, that's really. Absolutely. You know, I do some date nights around the country, just a one night event Mm -hmm. for a couple of hours. And I always speak on these two things, the two essentials, because I really believe if we get these down, then we we will have a good marriage. And and we deal also not just with the way you apologize, but also how you forgive because forgiveness is it, it, the apology doesn't tear the wall down. Yeah. The apology opens the door to the possibility wow. yeah. that the wall can be removed. If the person chooses to forgive you and as Christians, of course, we have the admonition, God, <laughs> you forgive others the way I've forgiven you. Uh, we don't have an option, you know, really, if we're going to follow God, we we need to be ready to forgive the other person. So, uh, yeah, those, those I think are two essentials. Yeah. You know, as we're thinking, you know, over a 30 year span and and just what has changed, um, I think, you know, I know you're over in North Carolina, we're here in Orange County, the divorce rate right now in Orange County is something like 72%, which I can't even, Mm. (laughs) can't even fathom. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just staggering. So what, what would you say if anything has changed? Is it new challenges that couples are facing or is it maybe tools that they're lacking or maybe a little bit of both? I mean, what is happening to have a 72% divorce rate? You know, I think one of the things is that as a country, we have become more and more self-centered, selfish. Mm -hmm. And so we also have the idea about marriage that marriage is to make me happy. Right. And when you're in love, you're both happy. And so you're going to get married and stay happy forever. But when you come down off that high and then you find your spouse disagrees with you on all these things and you start arguing with each other and you lose those emotions, then, okay, I'm not happy here anymore. And then people will even say to their spouse, you're just not making me happy. I'm out of here. I'm going to find somebody to make me happy. And what they don't understand is they go to that second marriage. The divorce rate in second marriages is higher than first marriages. Mm -hmm. And the third is higher than higher still. The answer is not running. The answer is learning. Mm. how to love the person to whom you're now married. That's so, so I say to people, I'm not putting you down. I'm not condemning you. I'm just, look, you are where you are. Jesus met people that were been married five times. You know, we take people where they are, but here, if you learn what we're talking about, you turn your life over to Christ. The marriage you have now will be the marriage in which you can make somebody else happy. They will make you happy. But even more than that, you help each other become the person that God intended you to be. Nothing's more satisfying than giving your energy to help that other person reach their potential for God. That yeah. is amazing. So, so what would you say, Dr. Chapman, are some, you know, obviously it's like we've been talking up the book so much. And so if you, if you haven't gotten the book by this point, I'm surprised you haven't gone on and like bought it while we're having this conversation. Cause you definitely <laughs> should. So, so as, as people are, 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 who maybe not have thought about this before, as they're hearing about this, what are some tips or some, some, some ways that people can discover their love languages and other people's love languages too? Yeah. Well, then there's three informal ways that you can do this. Number one is observe their behavior or observe your behavior. How, how do you typically respond to other people? If you're always giving other people words of encouragement, words of affirmation, then chances are that's your language. Or if you hear your spouse on the phone always encouraging people, then words is probably their language. Mm. Or if they're always giving people gifts, that's a pretty good clue that that's their language. 
if they're all, if they're touchy feely people, always giving high fives, patting on the back, you know, hugging purse people, you know, <laughs> that's probably their language. So that's a clue. Observe their behavior. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, you can discover a child's love language by the time they're four years old, mm-hmm. simply observing wow. their behavior. My son's language is physical touch. When he was that age, he'd run to the door when I came home, grab me in the leg and climb on me. (laughs) He's touching me because he wants to be touched. Our daughter never did that. At that age, she would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. Mm -hmm. She wanted quality time. Mm -hmm. So observe their behavior. Secondly, what do they complain about? Uh And what do you complain about? The complaint reveals the love language. If If your spouse says to you, I just feel like we don't spend any time together anymore. We're just like ships passing in the night. They're telling you quality time is their language. They're complaining about it. Or you go on a business trip and come home and they say, you didn't bring me anything. (laughs) They're telling you gifts is their language. (laughs) You see, we get defensive when our spouse complains, but they're really giving us valuable information. Mm. And then the third, what do they request most often? What do you request most often? If you're saying to your spouse on a regular basis, honey, can we take a walk after dinner? You're asking for quality time, taking a walk together, you know? Or if they're saying, honey, could you give me a back rub? They're asking you for physical touch. So if you put those three things together, you can pretty well figure out a person's love language. Of course, you can also go online, and there's a free quiz. Yeah. Uh, one for married couples, one for single adults, one for teenagers. Mm. And uh, they told me the other day, my, my publisher runs that uh, website, and they said 80 million people have taken that couple squeeze. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And uh, I, I told them, I said, you guys should have been charging a dollar a piece. You know? <laughs> yeah, wait, so what's the cut out of it? <laughs> and, and they said, no, we're just trying to help people get it, you that's know? So cool. And I appreciate that about my publisher. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The, uh, that, that's incredible. And, and what that speaks to is our call to be listeners and to be observers and to show that sort of care and intention in our relationships. It's literally, it's, it's that call, like exactly like what we were talking about a few minutes ago of stop just looking at yourself and, and going on the world, you know, with just your lens on of how does everything affect me? Instead, it's the call to say, okay, take that off for a little bit and observe what's going on with other people. Truly listen to the things that are being said. Truly truly observe the ways that people in your life that you care about are acting. And if, you are do- if you're doing that, then you'll learn so much about them, including their love languages, including what fills them up, or including the things that they feel like they are lacking. So it's that, it's that, it's, it's, I just love that call that it's on us to say, okay, I, I, I'm going to make the, the intentional step of caring enough about other people to see and, and, and hear them in the way that they are truly, even, even not explicitly, but implicitly sometimes, you know, demonstrating their needs. Yeah. Yeah. I think no question about it. We choose our attitude every single day. And we either live with an attitude of love that I'm, I'm here to enrich the lives of other people starting in the home, or we live with an attitude of selfishness. Mm-hmm. I'm here to get what I want out of life. I'm here to make myself happy. Everybody lives with one of those two attitudes. We choose our attitudes. We don't choose our emotions. 
but we choose our attitudes and our attitudes lead to our behavior. So, you know, if you want a radical change in your life, first of all, commit your life to Christ (laughs) and and then see his example and follow his example because his example was always one of reaching out for our benefit. And and when he was on earth, the benefit of the people that, that he's, that surrounded him. And, And I really think the people that find the greatest satisfaction in life are those who have an attitude of service to other people. Mm. And this love language is simply one tool that can help you do that in an effective way. Well, Dr. Chapman, I just want to thank you so much for your time that this is uh, honestly, guys, if you have not been, if you have not read the book, please do so. We'll have the link in the show notes. We'll also have the link to the, Apology languages. We would love to have you back on at some point, Dr. Chapman, to talk about that book because we could dive into that for a while too. I think there's so much yeah. there to unpack. That's incredible. Um, so honestly, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your time. And again, congratulations, 30 years and still impacting so many lives. Um, so truly thank you for the work and the thought that you've put into this. It's, it's, it's impacted so many people. Well, thank you, Jason and Linda. It's good to be with you for these few moments and God bless you and all that you're doing and trying to help people. (laughs) Thanks so much. Uh, Friends, this has been another episode of Doable Discipleship, and we'll be back with you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.